Good morning, People's Church. Come on, can we welcome every location? Come on, can we welcome them into the service? Come on, you can do better than that. Somebody's watching online. I tell you, it is an absolute honor uh, to be back. I think this is my 953rd time at People's Church. And uh, I say it all the time. I'm going to keep coming until y'all get sick of me coming. I love this house. I love this church. Do you know how blessed you are to be a part of People's Church? Come on. I hope you know it. I hope you know that. The grass does not get greener anywhere else. If it is, it's AstroTurf. It's not real. This is the real deal. This is really, I just think, just an incredible move of God. And it just comes from God's hand being on this church. And because you're blessed, not just with incredible pastors, but incredible people that lead you. And I love Pastor Herbert and Tiffany Cooper. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them? Come on, y'all could do better than that. Y'all are blessed. We're going to have fun in here today. If y'all feel like hearing this word like I feel like preaching it, something's going to happen in here. Do you like who you're sitting next to? If you don't, you can change your seat at any moment. I haven't read the scripture yet. You got time. Uh, go with me to the book of Acts today. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3. We'll start at verse number 1 and we'll land at verse number 10. And once you're ready to read it, why don't you say yeah? yeah? If you need a little time, you're not ready yet, say hold up. All right, I heard those hold ups. I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to wait. Acts chapter 3, we'll start at verse number 1. And it says, one day. Ooh, it's already good. <laughs> one day. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get a little something, something from them. And Peter said, Silver or gold, I do not have. First words out of Pete's mouth is, I ain't got it. <laughs> have you noticed that that's where most people get stuck in life? Most people get stuck at what they do not have. In fact, I found that the enemy is proficient at reminding you what you do not have. Oh, am I the only one? Y'all gonna leave me out here by myself. <laughs> Have you ever just been looking on Instagram or Facebook and heard the enemy in your ear saying, you don't have that, you don't have that, you sure don't have that, mm, don't got the credit score for that. Mm -mm. Just, he loves to remind you of what you do not have, but I'm so glad for that comma. I'm glad that Peter didn't stop at what he did not have. He goes, but what I do have, Ooh, he says, I got something. Well, would you help me preach? Just look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best. And come on, just tell them, you got something. Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all didn't even look at your neighbor. You looked at me. I want you to encourage them. Come on, tell them. Say, you got something. Yeah, stop focusing on what you don't have. You got something. He says, what I do have, that's what I'm going to give you. And I'm not giving it in my name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up instantly. The man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Can you say amen? Oh, that's good stuff. We got a man who is stuck, who is lame at a gate called Beautiful. I'm going to preach you today, not long, I promise, probably about four and a half hours. Just using this, using this as a title, The Beauty of Being Stuck. The Beauty of Being Stuck. Can we pray? Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that nobody listening to this message right now is listening by accident. Lord, they are listening by your divine providence. So speak to our hearts. We have not come today to be entertained. We have come to be drastically changed. Let us leave different than the way that we came in. And Lord, because I am from Dallas, I pray today you would favor your team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, to defeat every Philadelphia Eagle. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I pray for everything. Everything. <laughs> the beauty, the beauty of being stuck. Has anybody been to an airport lately? Can I see your hand if you've been to an airport lately? Quite a few of you. If you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that what I basically just asked was, has anybody been to purgatory lately? Has anybody been to hell and back lately? I mean, you know, sometimes it can be stressful to travel. As a matter of fact, um, after almost 15 years now of full-time itinerant traveling ministry and encroaching now upon some almost 4 million miles flown, I am convinced that if you really want to test your faith, just book a flight, okay? Book your flight, okay? If you really think that you're full of the spirit, fly spirit, and then come holler at your boy because... <laughs> It is stressful to travel. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Don't forget that last one, self-control. If you are a believer, then that fruit should be evident in your life. However, if you're here today or watching online, you're like, man, I got all that fruit, but you've never flown before? How do I say this? I don't believe you. I do not believe you because the airport is designed to suck the fruit of the spirit out of you. The whole system is orchestrated to make you lose your sanity and your Christianity. Stressful to travel. So over the years, I've developed what I call Robert's Rules of Flying. Okay, and I won't bore you with all of them, but I'll just give you one. One of my rules is I do nonstop flights only. Okay? I am not about that connection life. Just take me from Dallas to my destination. I am a nonstop ninja. Okay? The only problem with that rule is the reality that there are just some places in life, if you're going to go, you will have to stop and make a connection. Oh, that'll preach right there. But so the challenge, the challenge is when my departing flight is late, 
and I've got to connect in another city. And by the time I get to the connecting city, I have 1.5 minutes to get to my connecting gate. And to add to that, I landed at gate A1, but my connecting flight is at gate Z99. And I got 1.5 minutes to get to gate Z99. People, at this point, I only got three options. I can miss my flight, ain't gonna happen. I can call for that cute little cart to carry me there, not gonna happen. Or I can put my Orange Theory fitness to the test and run like Usain Bolt with everything I got to make this flight. People, this happened to me last week in Chicago. I am running with everything I got trying to make this flight. But here's what I love when this happens. I'm running, trying to get to gate Z99, and all of a sudden, I will see something in the distance. I will see something that will remind me of the goodness and the favor of God. I will see something that lets me know that God is still in the miracle work business. I will see something that lets me know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you may ask or think. I will see one of those moving walkways. Have you ever seen one of those before? The moving walkway. I'm about to have church. On the moving walkway. I love the moving walkway because to me the moving walkway is just like the favor of God. Because if you start walking on that moving walkway, how many of you know it will expedite your journey? It'll get you there quicker than you could in your own strength or your own ingenuity. I love the moving walkway. The only problem though with the moving walkway, my only issue with the moving walkway, my only frustration with the moving walkway are the people on the moving walkway who refuse to move. What is wrong with y'all? For real. This is why I came to People's Church today. To find out why are y'all standing on the moving walkway with your big old suitcase that should have been checked. Why are you standing on the moving walkway? People, this is a huge issue in our nation that nobody's talking about. Yes, you want my vote in 2020? Take care of these people who are standing on the moving walkway. Just frustrating, just annoying. And I think my frustration with you people who are here today, my frustration with you is, is not that you're standing. It's not that you're standing. If you were standing any other place in the airport, I would be cool with it. I, I think my frustration stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation on a mechanism that was created for movement. Yeah. I think my frustration stems from the fact that you have brought stagnation and stuckness onto something that was created to take you faster and further than you could on your own. And anytime you have stagnation in a place that was created for movement, you will always have frustration. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, this is traffic. Come on. I don't mind sitting down for an hour looking out of a window, listening to the radio, as long as I'm in my house. That's catching a vibe. I don't want to do it in my car on the highway. That's what makes me lose my mind. I can sit in one place for hours on my couch and watch a good Netflix series and be cool being in the same spot. But if I'm on the runway at DFW on a flight and we sit there for 45 minutes, I will hijack the plane. Because if I'm on the runway, I want to take off. 
Stagnation in a place that was created for movement will always cause frustration. And I'm wondering today if the reason that you are secretly frustrated with where you are in life is because your life has become stuck and stagnant when God created you for movement. Oh, could it be possible? Could it be plausible that the reason you are annoyed with where you are right now is because your life has become stuck, still, stagnant, and stationary when God created you for movement. This is what our God does. He is a God of movement. He created you for movement. You do know that God is trying to take you somewhere. Come on, I'm setting up the series already. Taking new ground. God is trying to move you from glory to glory. He's trying to move you from strength to strength. He's trying to take you to a place that he's already prepared for you because he is a God. God of movement. Yes, that's why the Bible says that the steps of the righteous, the steps of the righteous, not the stagnation, the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Why are the steps ordered? Because God is a God of movement. Oh, you don't believe God is a God of movement? You better back that thing up to the book of Genesis. The first thing God shows us in Genesis and his character is that he is a God of movement. Give a scripture for that, Robert. I'll give you the scripture. Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God was what? Moving over the face of the waters. The first thing God did in creation was to move. In fact, to me, creation was just the commencement of a symphony where God, the cosmic conductor, pulls out his omnipotent baton and just began this melody of movement. There's not a single thing he made in creation that didn't have to move. Everything he created had a cadence. If he made it, it had to move. He said, let there be stars. Put the whole solar system in place and went, oh yeah, y'all can't stand still. Get to moving. And all of a sudden, the melody began. Everything started moving. Even right now, we're moving. You can't feel it, but we're moving right now. He said, let there be water. <laughs> Created water. And they said, water, uh-uh, you cannot be still. That's mosquitoes. Get to moving. <laughs> And the water started moving, created animals. Every animal had to move. Said, let there be a cheetah. And here comes the cheetah. Everything he made had to move. Created a turtle and told the turtle that the turtle had to move. The turtle's like, God, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't want to come out of my shell. He's like, that's cool. That's cool. But you still got to move. You don't got to be as fast as the cheetah, but you still got to get to move. And here's the turtle. Everything God made had to move. He reached down in some dirt and created man, breathed into him the breath of lies. And guess what man's heart started doing? It started moving. That's why still today when you go for your checkup, the doctor puts in his headphones. And you know what he's checking for? He's trying to make sure that your heart is still beating from the same beat that started in Genesis. And if there's irregularities in the beat, that means there's something wrong in your body. Oh, this is why I get up and give God the best praise that I got. Not because my life is perfect. I'm just thankful that my heart is still beating in my chest and that he woke me up this morning. That's the enough for me to give them some praise. Oh, I feel like preaching. Somebody take 10 seconds and just give God some praise. If you're thankful, there is still breath in your body. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Woo! 
everything he made had to move. Everything he created had a cadence. You don't believe God is a God of movement? People, two-thirds of his name is go. Somebody get that tomorrow. He's a God of movement. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's about to ascend back into heaven. And the disciples are like, hold up, can we get a commission, like a great commission? He's like, oh, you want a commission? All right, go <laughs> into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. He is a God of movement. The tension occurs because we have a God who's a God of movement, but humanity has this tendency and this propensity to always get stuck. Come on, have you noticed this about us? We love to get stuck. I'm not even talking about like sin. I'm just talking about like you, you sit in the same seat in the same section every time you come in this room. You don't want to check out this side of the sanctuary. You just sit in the same spot. You go to the same four restaurants. I mean, the kids already know where we're going for lunch. You go to the same restaurants. You don't even know the coffee shop around the corner from the one you go to has much better coffee. And you'll never know because you go to the same coffee shop. We just have this proclivity to get stuck. In fact, I would even argue theologically that all that is wrong with the world today is because humanity got stuck. Adam and Eve did not keep it moving. They got stuck at the wrong tree, listening to the wrong voice, so they made the wrong choice, and now we are reaping the ramifications of a decision that happened in the Garden of Eden when they got stuck. And intrinsic in our DNA is this sickness of stuckness. I'm preaching better y'all are talking in here today. And my text today is in Acts chapter 3. And we're going to look at this text in detail. But I mentioned Adam and Eve being stuck in Genesis chapter 3 because there is a synergy between Acts chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 3. If you look at Acts chapter 3 with this lame man, and you look at it just at a micro level, you'll see a man who is lame, excuse me, lame from birth, outside of the temple gate, begging, and then one day, Peter and John, full of the Holy Spirit, lift him up. But if we broaden the scope of this text and look at it from a macro level, I submit to you that this man is really just a picture of the spiritual condition of humanity. Because how many know that sin made all of us spiritually lame? This is what sin did. This is the ramifications of sin, is that all of us were born lame, spiritually lame. You're like, well, I'm, I'm a good person. No, you lame. Lame as all get out. Born lame too. Born lame. Isn't it crazy that nobody had to teach you how to lie? Nobody had to teach you how to steal. What class did you take on selfishness? None. Two years old, you perfected mine. Born lame. This is what sin did to us. It made us narcissistic, egocentric, self-centered people. We were born lame. We had no access to the presence of God. This is what sin did. So thank God for Peter and John, because Peter and John are really just a picture of what the cross did for us. How many are thankful that the cross is what lifted us up, and we don't have to be beggars anymore? I can approach the throne of grace with confidence, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did did on the cross. His blood is what gives me access into his presence. So there is a synergy between Acts 3 and Genesis chapter 3 because in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit all of humanity got stuck. And this is not in the Bible this is kind of my exegetical imagination but I think when Adam and Eve took of that forbidden fruit and all of humanity got stuck 
I think immediately God called an executive Trinity team meeting in heaven. And God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three of them there at the same time. And uh, God the Father, Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And all of a sudden they look down and God the Father goes, y'all see what I see? They stuck. You know they can't get themselves out. So one of y'all going to have to go down there and get them out. And immediately Jesus looks at the Holy Spirit and says, well, can't nobody move like you. So why don't you go down there? get them out. And the Holy Spirit is like, Jesus, don't play, don't play, don't play. No, no, no. You know, I'm Acts chapter two. You Matthew chapter one. Don't be trying to mess up the Bible, Jesus. No. You the savior of the world. You go down there and get them out. Jesus is like, you're right. You're right. I'm tripping. And all of a sudden, Jesus, he gets on the balcony of heaven. The balcony of heaven. Jumps off the balcony of heaven. It was a 42 generation jump. And he lands in the womb of a virgin named Mary. I'm at Christmas. And all of a sudden, her fiance, Joseph says, girl, we need to talk. You've been acting weird lately. She's like, yeah, I've been meaning to tell you some stuff. He's like, what you been meaning to tell me? Because you've been so distant lately. What, you don't want to get married anymore? She's like, no, it's not that, Joseph. It's just, oh, I don't even know how to tell you this. Uh, Just give me your hand. Give me your hand. Takes Joseph's hand, puts it on her stomach. He goes, whoa! Something just moved. She goes, yeah, that's what he does. All of a sudden, there is tension in their relationship. So she calls her pregnant cousin Elizabeth and says, I got to see you. So Mary takes an Uber to her pregnant cousin Elizabeth's house. And when she gets out of the Uber, she meets her pregnant cousin Elizabeth. And they both waddle up on each other like two penguins in Alaska meeting for the very first time. And Elizabeth goes, girl, you ain't going to believe this. She said, I haven't felt my baby move in weeks weeks but as soon as you got out that uber girl my baby started kicking and moving and rolling around i don't know what's on the inside of you but it's making my baby move on the inside of me and mary goes girl that's what he does all of a sudden elizabeth goes i cannot believe you took an uber down here mary you are pregnant and mary goes yeah and the uber driver was weird too elizabeth goes what was his name mary goes john Elizabeth goes, hmm, I like that name. Fast forward 30 years later, John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan River. And please believe that the water is still moving from the same cadence of creation. Just... And all of a sudden, John almost drowns a guy in the water because he looks in the distance and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's the one I was telling y'all about. I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Somebody give him some praise because I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. All of a sudden... Jesus and John meet one of John's disciples low-key goes you know this dude John's like yes I know this dude and what's crazy is the first time we met we were in water now we meeting again in water this must be a destiny moment and he baptizes Jesus Jesus comes up out of the water he starts healing the sick raising the dead goes to the cross goes to the grave and defeats death hell and the grave he ascends back up to heaven and all of a sudden the Trinity executive team meeting is readjourned and the Holy Spirit and God the Father look at Jesus and go man you killed that thing and Jesus goes you know I did the best that I could and then they look at the Holy Spirit and say it's on you now he's like I know I 
know. And the Holy Spirit gets on the balcony of heaven, jumps off the balcony of heaven and lands in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. And all of a sudden, a sound as a mighty rushing wind began to fill that place. And all of them got filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I just gave you the whole Bible like in 10 minutes. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and in that room was Peter and John. Well, up in that room. Now I'm at Acts chapter 3. And Peter and John go, well, we just got power to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We better start in Jerusalem. So Peter and John say, let's go to church. And let's pray. So you got Peter, can you see it? And John walking together to church. Peter and John walking together to church. Peter and John together? Quick question, why are they still hanging out? No, for real, you realize Jesus has already ascended to heaven. They do not have to hang out anymore. The only thing that connected them was that Jesus handpicked them. He selected them to be one of his homeboys. They ain't got to kick it anymore. Jesus is gone. Why are Peter and John walking together to church? You realize this is a walking contradiction. Yes, one of these things is not like the other. Peter and John. First of all, Peter is older. John is much younger. They're a contradiction. Okay, let me break it down. Um, John... He is on Snapchat. <laughs> Peter still checking his Facebook. Peter and John together walking to John. Peter and John. John is a lover. Peter is a cusser. Yes, J John, he's an introvert. He's pensive. He thinks before he speaks. Peter is an extrovert. He gonna say something crazy and outlandish and then be like, my bad, you know, I really shouldn't have said that. And then Peter and John together. When John got ready to express his love for Jesus, he just laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He loved to cuddle with Jesus. When Peter got ready to express his love and loyalty for Jesus, homeboy put out a knife, a switchblade, and cut a dude's ear all the way off. Jesus had to fix it like, what are you doing, Peter? Like, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm ride or die. I don't know about them, but I'm with you. Peter! <laughs> And just together, I'm just trying to figure out how a gangster and Gandhi are going to church together. They are a walking contradiction. Oh, and maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. You understand the healing of this lame man, please don't miss this, is the first miracle after the birth of the church. That means this is not an ordinary miracle. This is a prototype miracle by which God is trying to show us the power and the pattern by which he moves in the earth today. And perhaps the reason Peter and John are walking together is because God is trying to get the church to understand that what the culture calls a contradiction, the kingdom calls collaboration. Oh, I wish y'all were feeling this. What the culture sees as the greatest point of contradiction in the kingdom of God, it is the greatest place of collaboration. And it is the trick of the enemy to get the church today to focus on our contradictions so that we will never collaborate because if we collaborate, how many know lame people will have to get up and walk in what God has for them? Ooh. 
but it's the trick of the enemy to get us to focus on the contradictions so that we'll never collaborate. I know some of y'all don't like this because you just want to hang out with people that think like you, look like you, walk like you, talk like you, and vote like you. But I'm telling you, our power as the church is not in our similarities. Our power is in our differences. And in spite of our differences, we can still get together and agree that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and help broken people. You do know the enemy is not afraid of a big church. We got churches everywhere. He is not afraid of a big church. He's afraid of a united church because if we could ever collaborate in spite of the contradiction, lame people would get up. Isn't it awesome? It's the first miracle after the birth of the church was a collaboration between one disciple that had a big heart, John, and another disciple that had a big mouth, Peter. And perhaps it was the compassion of John that noticed the lame man, but it took the courage of Peter to tell him, hey, bro, get up. Get, I still got a knife in my pocket. Get up. And John's like, Peter, love. <laughs> Collaboration. Can't just talk about Peter and John because they're not the star of the text. The star of the text is this lame man. And I'd even ask the camera crew if I could do this, but whenever I preach a text like this, I will often sit like this. Because I want to feel, even if it's just for a moment, what this lame man felt. Can you imagine, even in our current context, we don't understand what many of our disabled brothers and sisters have to go through. But can you imagine, can you imagine in biblical antiquity, with no wheelchairs, no hover rounds, it was the epitome of being stuck. When somebody dropped you off in a spot, you better get comfortable. You're going to be there for a while. And I thought about this. The only thing that didn't work in this man's life, think about this, were his legs. That's the only thing that didn't work. Everything else worked. His eyes worked, ears worked, mind sharp. He probably had good teeth. All that was good only thing that didn't work were his legs and that one thing affected so many other things. It affected his relationships. Because I mean, when you're stuck, the only other people you can talk to is other stuck people. You know why? Because lame recognize lame. They did, just stuck. It affected his economy. He's got a bed now. He can't work. One thing affected everything else. Hear me today. Some of you, you think you got so many problems. You don't. One thing is affecting everything else. Your procrastination is affecting every area of your life. Your bad attitude is affecting every area of your life. One thing can shut so many other things down. And when you're stuck, you start developing systems of stuckness. You know what you got to do to get around? Because this is your life. You know where relationships to have? You talk to other stuck people having stuck conversations. Hey, bro, what you going to do today? Man, probably lay here for a little bit. What you going to do? Yeah, same thing. Just stuck conversation. Come on, you ever experienced this? Just been stuck with stuck people? And some of y'all have really experienced the power of being stuck, but also the power of God raising you up after you've been stuck for a while. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It might have been a word from God. It might have been a revelation God's given you. And you realize, wait a minute, that is not what the world is like. All of a sudden, God raises you 
you up, but you were stuck for so long, you have relationships with stuck people, and you try, don't you, to go back after you've been raised up and have those same conversations, but the jokes aren't funny anymore. You're trying to figure out what in the world did I have in common with y'all? You still doing the same stuff? You still trying to turn up in the club? You 48 years old? Just same conversation, just stuck. And then they got the nerve to look at you and say, mm, seem like you change. Seem like you change. Yeah, that's the point, boo-boo. I'm changing. I don't want to be who I always was. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. Hallelujah. You better believe I'm changing. That's the point. That's the point. I am changing. If I'm the same person at 20 that I at 40 that I was at 20, I wasted 20 years of my life. You better believe I'm changing. Now nah, it seems like you acting brand new. Now nah, you you stuck up. No, no, I'm not stuck up. I'm just up. You stuck. That's why we have. <laughs> Systems of being stuck. And the thing that drew me to this text, all that was my introduction. The thing, <laughs> the thing that drew me to the text that I never saw before, People's Church, I never saw this before. The Bible says this lame man was brought in front of the church, in front of the temple gate, if you will, every day. Did y'all read that? Yeah. Not just on Sunday. Not just on a Wednesday night gathering. Every day he was brought in front of the church. Every day. Day. So if he was dropped in front of the church in the parking lot every day, that means there are two people in this text that nobody ever preaches about. I never preached about them because I never saw them. But they're here today at People's Church, and I want to bring them out. Y'all come on out. Because if he was dropped every day, that means there's people in the text we don't talk about. Because everybody talks about the lame man. Everybody talks about Peter and John. How come nobody talks about y'all? How come nobody talks about hmm, Billy and Bob? Because the Bible says he was dropped every day. I looked up every day in the original language. Guess what it means? Every day. Every day. So if he got dropped every day, do you know what that means? That means Sunday morning they picked him up. Yeah. They dropped him in front of the church, gingerly. <laughs> he would hold out his cup and beg. They would go to work, do whatever they had to do. They would come right back about five o'clock, pick him right back up, drop him off over here at his house, and then go home and do what they had to do. That's Sunday. Monday morning, come right back, pick him up, drop him off in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They would go to work, do whatever they have to do, come right back about five o'clock, pick him right back up, drop him off at his, they didn't know they were gonna work out, drop him off. That's Monday, Tuesday, come right back, pick him up. Drop him off in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They went to work, do whatever they had to do, come right back about five o'clock, pick him right back up, and then drop him off at his house. That's Tuesday, every day. Wednesday, came right back. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm, playing. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just want to show you the laborious nature of every day. We even got to Friday, he's sweating. That's every day. Every day. And I hope I'm not bringing my own presupposition to this text. 
Maybe they did it out of the kindness of their heart the first two weeks. Never mind, they go to people's church. Maybe they did it a month. <laughs> a month of every day. It's a lot. But I think after that month, one of those days they picked them up, they dropped them off in front of the church. He would hold out his cup and beg. They did what they had to do. They would come back, hold up. He's been begging, because you might want to fix your cup. You ain't going to get much money like that. He's going to hold it up. And he's been begging all day. So he ain't broke. He ain't broke. That's what I'm talking And Uber ain't free. Get your cut. Yes. Get your cut. Now that you got your cut, now pick him back up. Ooh, and he's lighter now, ain't he? And they dropped him off. And now they're whistling on their way back home. Because watch this. Now we have collaborators to a sick system of somebody who's stuck. At this point, Billy and Bob don't want him healed. They don't want him to be whole. Why would they? It would affect their pockets. They have now become the beneficiaries of his disability, of his dysfunction, and his brokenness. And the reason I brought Billy and Bob on stage is to tell somebody who is stuck that whenever you are stuck, there will always be Peters and Johns who are trying to empower you and pull you up to what God has called you to be. But there will also be Billies and Bobs who are enabling you, who don't want you to get better, who don't want you whole, who don't want you to be all that God has called you to be. Oh, and Billy and Bob can be a woman. Billy and Bob can be a man. You can be dating Billy and Bob. Some of you sit next to Billy and Bob, and you can't say nothing, but just keep looking straight ahead and blink at me, and I'll know that they're one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying when you're stuck, you got to check your circle because sometimes seasons of stuckness create people who are actually enabling your stuckness. Thank you. We'll find out later that that sick system of getting picked up, dropped off, holding out his cup, that went on for 40 years. 40 years of get picked up, hold out my cup, make a few bucks, give them their cut, go back home. For 40 years? Get picked up, hold out my cup, Make a few bucks, give them their cut, go back home. For 40, how many after 40 years, you're just a robot. You're going through the motions. Get picked up, hold out my car. You know you're stuck when you stop looking up. No hope, no expectation. Some of you, this is just your job. This is your job. Go to work, make a few bucks give the IRS their cut <laughs> and go back home. Is that why God created you? No, he came that you might have life and life more abundantly. He wants to break your routine of being stuck. And I love it because after 40 years, after 40 
40 years of a sick system and a cycle and a mundane routine, after 40 years of going through the motions and just holding out his cup, all of a sudden he hears voices full of the Holy Spirit and they say, look at us. One day changed this man's entire life. After 40 years, one day changed his entire life. Come on, that's why you cannot give up. That's why you can't throw in the towel. That's why you cannot kill yourself. Because one day, one moment can change everything. After 40 years, he hears voices that say, look at us. The Bible says he gave Peter and John his attention. I bet he did. They broke his system. They broke his routine. He gave them his attention. You know, that's what God really wants. He just wants your attention. Because if God can get your attention, he can exceed your expectation. If he could just get your attention, oh, I feel like preaching. Miracles start with you just paying attention. Just pay attention. Peter and John did this miracle because they paid attention. Everybody else for 40 years just stepped over this man and went right into the church. Peter and John were the first believers to actually pay attention and say, hold up, we're full of the Holy Spirit. If any two or three of us agree as touching anything, it shall be done. We ain't got to wait till we get in the church. God can do miracles in the parking lot. They just paid attention. You pay attention and give God your attention. He'll exceed your expectation. He gave Peter and John his attention. Watch this. Expecting to get something. What do you think he was expecting to get? You think he was expecting to walk? No. After years of being stuck, please believe homeboy was not lacing up his Nikes. He was expecting to get some money. He was like, ooh, they see me. I'm getting paid today. Isn't that sad? You know what's sad about being stuck for so long? Is that when you've been stuck for so long, you will start to downgrade your dream to fit your reality. This man was willing to settle for money because he didn't even think that movement was possible. And some of you in here who have been stuck, you have downgraded your dream to fit your reality. And God told me to tell you, don't downgrade your dream to fit your reality when he wants to exceed your expectation. Oh, no, I guess we'll never have a good marriage. So now we'll just, you sleep on your side of the house, I'll sleep on mine. We'll never have a good marriage. We'll just be roommates. No! You can't have a good marriage. You can have a great marriage. Don't let the enemy allow you to downgrade your dream to fit your reality. Oh, no, I guess I'll never, you know, have the business God told me to start, so I'll just work at this job I hate. I'll just stay here. No! You can't have that business. That's why God gave you the idea for it. Don't downgrade the dream to fit the reality. I'm going to stay right here. Oh, I ain't, ain't no good man. Ain't no good man. So no, I just, I just, I just talk to that married man. I'll be his side chick. No, it's fine. I'll see him when I was. No! You downgrade your dream to fit your reality. God wants to exceed your expectation. He gave him his attention, expecting to get something. And Peter goes, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See, some of y'all ain't clapping because you don't really know the power that is in that name. See, I love Peter because you know what Peter's doing? 
He's doing what preachers love to do. He's name dropping. You know how people love to name drop? I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. If you're going to drop a name, please drop a name that's got the power to get somebody back up again. You should drop the name that is above every single name. Drop a name that demons tremble at the very mention of that name. Drop a name that at the mention of that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Come on, is there anybody in here that says, I know there is power in that name that can pull me out when I've been stuck. I dare you to give that name Jesus the best praise that you got. Hallelujah. There is no name but the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, the man got power in his legs. He jumped up, and I love it because he walked right into the second service at the Oklahoma City campus. And there was people in there who were just trying to have regular kumbaya church, and they were just, ha, ha. And here comes this man who just got his legs. Tell me, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah! And can you see the people looking at him like, OMG. Does not take all of that. Wow, he's excited. <laughs> okay, you can worship just like this. <laughs> See, some of y'all are laughing, but I'm in churches every weekend. And you would be shocked that when somebody starts praising God exuberantly or making noise, how people will low-key look at them like something's wrong with them. Tell them, I didn't take all that. Don't you ever judge somebody's praise. You don't know how long they were stuck. Some of us know that we could have been in jail. We should be in an insane asylum. But if it had not been for the grace, Grace of God? Oh, I don't know where I would be. Somebody needs to give us some praise. Like you know, you used to be stuck. Hallelujah. Don't judge my praise. You don't know how long I was stuck. He starts praising God with everything that he had. And they're looking like, it don't take all that until they looked and said, wait a minute, hold up. Wait, I've seen those feet before. They recognized him as the same man that used to sit begging at the temple gate. They recognized it. You want to know the beauty of being stuck? The beauty of being stuck is that one day you can get up. But the beauty of being stuck, hear me, is that God in his grace will allow the same people that saw you in your lame season will see you in your leaping season. That's why you should never be ashamed when people are talking about you, tweeting about you, texting about you. Sometimes God will let your bad news get around so that when he turns that situation around and you're leaping, people will have a frame of reference and that's when you got to tell them, I'm the same one that used to be depressed. I got my joy. I'm the same one. I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. That's the beauty. The beauty of being stuck is that the ones that saw you in your lame season will see you in your leaping season. And that's when you tell them about the God that turned your situation around. And I don't know who this is for today, but you've been stuck. And God just sent me to tell you, this is your one day to get up. If you'll give him your attention, he'll exceed your expectation. Don't you downgrade your dream to fit your reality when God wants to exceed your expectations. This is your day.
for God to break the routine of stuckness. You can't get yourself out when you're stuck. You got to look to this Savior to get you out. I'm going to ask every head be bowed, all eyes closed. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that even when we're stuck, we don't have to get ourselves out. We can look to you like a child to a father who just lifts up their hands and the father comes and lifts them up. Would you lift us up today? Lord, I thank you that today, today, you're turning our lame season into our leaping season. And you're breaking the routine. In Jesus' name.